Alhamdulillah 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 Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu may yudlilhu fala hadiya lahu wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira amma ba'd fana'udhu billahi minash shaytani rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim wa qala allah ta'ala fil qur'an al-karim ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sabiru wa sabiru wa rabitu my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanasta'afiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and many more, many more, kathiran kathira. And my beloved brothers and sisters, I'm informed that you're here at the end of your semester, finals being next week. And so take a moment to take a look at yourselves and look at your condition, our worldly condition now, and compare it with what things were like either at the beginning of this semester or at the beginning of the school year. You and I know that the Prophet, peace be upon him, is reported to have told us that if you've gone through three days without taking a step forward, you've gone back. But three days might be too short of a period of time. So compare yourself back to last August, September. What was the condition of your relationships? What was happening in our society? What has been happening in our world? In our world, it's the ongoing situations, whether we speak of Kashmir or Palestine or Syria, or the famine in Somalia, in South Sudan. One thing that keeps happening day by day by day, we are reminded that the day of judgment is coming forward and any of us will be claimed back by Allah at any moment. And then bring it closer to home, what has taken place in our society. We've had the elections over this past school year and the big uncertainty that's been taking place ever since the election, especially in terms of our own plight. And as, as I tell my students back in Loyola in Chicago, I don't know where we will be a year from now. But I'll also remind every one of us that number one, the unknown is part of the world no matter what the situation is. There will always be an unknown, starting with my own future, your own future. And further, Allah Ta'ala will never give us a burden that we can't handle. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that when Allah Ta'ala is hitting us with struggle, that we can make it through. But bring it closer to home, compared today with a year ago. What is the nature of your relationships? 
What is the nature of your relationships with your friends? What is the nature of your relationships with your family? When you are with your friends, for example, perhaps this evening or this weekend, do you spend more time than a year ago in some sort of service to Allah? Or is it the same, or is it less? And I'm saying to make an honest assessment, because that is something that you do have control over. And then bring it even closer to home. What is the nature of your relationship with Allah today in contrast or compared to the beginning of the school year? When you lift up your hands in prayer, in supplication to Allah today, do you have more confidence today that he is there than you did a year ago? Do you have more confidence today that he's listening than you did a year ago? Do you have more confidence today that he is there, he is listening, and he's answering? That he's there, he's listening, he's answering to your satisfaction than a year ago? Because this is also something you control. You and I know the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith Qudsi, meaning the Prophet, peace be upon him, is saying that Allah Ta'ala is saying, that I am what my servant thinks of me. Meaning what? That if I think of Allah Ta'ala as a punisher, even if I'm telling everyone that Allah is so merciful, if in my heart I see Allah as a punisher, then that is how I'm going to understand what is happening in my life. Meaning what I think of Allah in my heart will inform how I look at whatever it is that happens in my life. So we say over and over again that Allah is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, the most in Rahmah, the eternal in Rahmah. But what do I truly feel in my heart? That is my choice. And some of us, when we think of Allah, whether we admit it to others or ourselves or not, we think of Allah as punisher. Some of us, whether we admit it to ourselves or not, we think of Allah as not present, as abandoning. Some of us, when we think of Allah, whether we admit it or not, we think of Allah as vengeful. I had a student, he was a Jewish student, he was actually my age, and when he opened up the Quran, and I should say, not only was he a Jewish student, he was a Jewish student coming from a family that placed very heavy emphasis on Jewish learning. And when he opened up the Quran, he started crying because of how many mentions there were of mercy upon mercy upon mercy upon mercy. Because he was taught in his particular family's tradition that God is wrath. But I think this is something that we also have too much in our own communities. So I'm asking you, look at what you think of honestly when you think of Allah in your heart. Because you control that. And what you think of Allah in your heart will then inform what you think of what happens in your life. If you think of Allah as punisher and you get into a car accident your instant reaction is to see it as punishment. If you think of Allah as vengeful, as many of my students do, they'll say, Allah hates me. I'll say, why? Because he does, because I'm a bad person. So, if you think of Allah as vengeful and you get into a car accident, you'll think that Allah is out to get you. If you think of Allah as someone, as Allah, as pouring rahmah upon rahmah upon rahmah upon you, then when you get into a car accident, you're going to find yourself thinking this was so bad, but subhanAllah, it could have been so much worse. What am I saying? What I think of Allah in my heart will influence what happens throughout my entire life, how I read, how I receive, whatever it is that happens throughout my life. So take that assessment because that is something you control. It's the same thing when we speak of how we imagine the deen. 
What is your relationship with the deen itself? What is your relationship with Islam itself? When you imagine Islam, right? In Al-Fatiha, we are asking Allah to guide us on the straight path. And you and I often, when we think of the straight path, we'll think there's a straight path, there's crooked paths, but this is Islam, Islam is a straight way, everyone else is off. Whatever way it is that you look at it, but even think of the metaphor of the straight path. It is the most direct way to your destination. It is the easiest way to your destination. And what am I saying? Take a moment and ask yourself what you think of the deen. Meaning, if you are inside the deen, as we all are, mashallah, is life easier or harder than being outside of the deen? If you've grown up in our society, grown up through all of our, mashallah, weekend schools and our full-time Islamic schools, whether you admit it or not, you probably think life outside the deen is easier than life inside the deen. Ask yourself, make an honest assessment. Because if we're calling this deen, deen al-fitrah, it is a deen that fits in your primordial nature. We're saying that life inside the deen should be easier than life outside. And a, help, a way to help make sense of it, because then we start thinking of all the burdens we have. We have to pray, we have to fast, we have to do this, we have to do that. We have to smile, because a smile is charity, so forth and so on. Of course, whenever I say that, nobody smiles. But the point I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, when you think of the dean, imagine it the way you think of exercising and eating right. That when you're exercising, you have to go through this intense difficulty in the short run with the assumption that it's making your life easier in the long run. Right? You have to go through this intense period at the gym picking up weights, surrounded by people who, who have muscles bigger than most of our heads. But you're doing it with the intention that in the long run, you'll be in much better shape. Imagine the deen that way. Because we're about to enter Ramadan. Ramadan is our annual boot camp. Ramadan is this intense, intense period. No, everyone has fasting. No one else has Ramadan. And we have Ramadan in a Midwestern summer. Where the fast, I don't know how long it is here, but back in Chicago, it's like 16 hours. Okay. That's intensity. Day after day after day after day. Some of us are doing it because we have to. Some of us are doing it because we don't want to get in trouble by our family. But what is the idea here? You're doing this at the very least, going through the struggle now in the short term for long-term ease. Long-term ease, not just on the other side, but also in this world. And if we have time, we'll talk more about Ramadan. But what am I asking primarily? What is your relationship with Allah today compared to a year ago? Is it the same or is it better? This is something you control. What is your relationship with the deen today compared to a year ago? Is it the same or is it something better? And then to fulfill the point, two more questions. What is your relationship with the Prophet وسلم, today compared to a year ago? How often do you think of the Prophet How often do you go through a book of Shama'il, the literature that speaks of his attributes, that when you see the Prophet in his teeth, he has a gap in between his two front teeth. And every time I see someone who has a gap between their two front teeth, I think of the Prophet, peace be upon him. That's love. When you love someone, you see their face on every face. Things remind you, they become ayat, of the one you love. So what is your relationship with the Prophet And then of course, what is your overall relationship with the Ummah? 
that sometimes we fall into the trap of revealing our own self-loathing by loathing the Ummah. What am I saying? Our Ummah is gigantic, mashallah. Over a billion and a half people globally, but even the states, millions upon millions, who knows what the actual number is. I don't know how many Muslims there are in Milwaukee, something like five, six, seven masjids. What you see in a population that large is whatever you want to see, because we have everything. If I want to see our ummah as a bunch of lazy, unethical crooks, we have plenty of examples of those. If I want to see our ummah as a bunch of upright people who are working hard to get through the day, to get through our lives, their lives, we have that too. So what am I saying? What I notice in the ummah is actually a projection of what's taking place within my own heart. So look at what it is you think of when you think of the Ummah, because you control that as well. But what is the real reason I'm asking all this? Because a year from now, you want to be able to say, I've improved in my relationship with Allah. I've improved in my relationship with the Prophet I've improved in my relationship with the Ummah. And then that can lead me to improve in my relationships. And then that can then collectively help us to work towards improving our society. Because what you'll find when you get closer to be my age, mashallah, I'm twice as old as most of you, except maybe Dr. Omar. But the point here is that you'll probably be the same person then that you are now, unless either life events force you to change, like when you get your first full-time job if you haven't had one yet, or a death in the family, or a change in a family structure, like marriage, parenthood. But otherwise, you'll probably be the same person, unless you take control of yourself. We have a teaching attributed to Rumi, where he says that the human self is a wild animal that you need to domesticate. So ask yourself, my beloved brothers and sisters, how much focus do you have on this? Why? A step further. Because you are college students in the United States, you have privilege that most of the Muslims throughout the world do not have. Okay. Because you're college students at an elite university in the United States, you thus have responsibility that most of the Muslims in the world do not have because of your abilities. And so what I'm saying is that if you and I do not lead the way for the rest of the Muslims in the world, or even in our society here, because if you're going to college, you're still part of the upper crust of society here, then you're leaving the space open for other people to exploit. And we have plenty of examples of that in our world today. So now, let us take a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet It's a very simple question, my beloved brothers and sisters. Are you taking control of yourself? Because America, as you and I know, is also a very, very aggressive society. Not in the sense of militancy. In the sense that it's this raging river that's very easy to get caught up. Whether we speak of the rat race, I need to own this, I need to look like this, I need to be like this. 
And this is not even a criticism. This is just part of how humanity works. And much of our work, whether we're Muslims or Christians or Jews or Hindus or Buddhists, etc., is to actually swim upstream. Okay. And the point is that that requires you and I to take control of ourselves. Because it is very easy to take the other route, which is to escape and to play. Escape into work, escape into our own personal pursuits at the cost of what's happening in the world around us. Okay. And sometimes I feel bad when I look at your generation because I feel like when I look at my generation, what we've given your generation is the short end of the stick versus what my generation has been given. Right? I'm part of the generation of Muslims in Chicago where all these Islamic centers were first getting formed by all these uncles and aunties who we used to make fun of back then. But then at our age, we realize that they're made out of iron, these people, mashallah. I'm thinking of one of my friend's fathers who falls down, slips. He's been working in this particular masjid for 40 years. He slips, gets hurt, continues his whole day of work, gets home, and he's getting ready to go to prayer, but he has an itch in his head, and he takes off this goofy that he's been wearing for 15 hours, and his head is all bloody. Because what happened? He slipped, and this is no exaggeration, he broke his skull. And yet he worked the entire day at the masjid. Okay? That's what this other generation was like. These, all these people, mashallah, made out of iron. I'm thinking of another person in Chicago who ran his masjid. He used to be an engineer, retired just to work on the masjid day after day after day after day. And twice he worked at the masjid with a broken back. Okay. And the point is I'm making that when I think of my age group, we have many gems in my generation, but what we've given you is less. And what we've also given you as a society is a much more difficult world. So, but as we said at the beginning, Allah Ta'ala does not give you anything you, can you can't handle. Maybe your generation is stronger than my generation. Maybe because he's giving you bigger tests, you're stronger than we are. But then you have to live up to it. So, you have to provide in terms of your goal to get closer to Allah for everyone else. And that starts by taking control of yourself. So with that, I remind you of the one who has the best of all character, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The translation in, in Surah Al-Ahzab is indeed, indeed, indeed. Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet, O you who believe, send angels uh, send blessings upon him. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. O oh Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab nar Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. O oh, turn our hearts, turn our hearts to your obedience and make our foothold firm. And do not make us a test for those who have already rejected you. And in our exams in these next few weeks, or in this next week, and in our tests throughout the rest of our life, guide us to have success. And guide us to keep thinking of you with the best of impressions. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salam.